More in the morning continues on News Talk 1010, Toronto. Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. He'll be with you tomorrow. So somebody's been floating the idea that uh, the way you get people to come back to the office, if they're resistant to doing that, maybe short of telling them come back by Thursday or you're fired, uh, is to pay for their commute. That's another benefit people are looking for, I guess. Co-founder of the Work Time Reduction Center of Excellence, Joe O'Connor, joins me now. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Jerry. Is this is this becoming a thing? You get uh, paid for commute time, or we consider the start of your workday when you leave the house, and if you put in your seven and a half or eight hours, it includes your time coming and going? So when my namesake, Joe O'Connor, contacted me about this piece, um, he was interested to see if this is something that I had heard of, and certainly it is a conversation that I've, I've had some employers float with me, which really comes down to the fact that if you look at companies who are currently working hybrid, most of the data would suggest there is some gap between employer preferences and employee preferences. Most company leaders have a preference for maybe something that looks like three days in the office. Employee preferences seems to be closer to two. And even for organizations that are still working fully remote or remote first, I've spoken to a lot of founders and CEOs who definitely have a sense that they would value having people in the office, even if it's just for one or two days a month, um, to generate that team-wide collaboration um, that they feel that they're missing. So I think when you look at the solutions that are being put in place for this, you have companies like Google and Salesforce on one side who are adopting quite aggressive back-to-the-office strategies with you know, employee monitoring and so on. But those are the kinds of organizations who can pay top dollar, and they're the kinds of organizations that are very attractive from an employee or employer brand perspective. Not every organization is going to be playing in that in that same market. And therefore, I think for a lot of leaders, they're going to have to get creative about how they achieve this goal. And I think the paid commute is certainly one of those options that's on the table. Well, how do you react to this? Earlier this morning, I was talking about this same story with Scott Reed, and I said, I've been a manager, and if I was a manager now, and I'm not, uh, but if I owned the company or I was running it, then I might say to Susie, uh, yeah, I'll pay for your commute, because we need Susie. Susie's fantastic, and we don't want to lose her. But then George comes, and, and I say, you know what, George? Either come to work or don't, because quite frankly, we can replace you. So what do you want to do? I, I mean, there's going to be a certain amount of that going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be difficult from a company culture perspective to put in place something that's very individualized in that way. Um, and I think that the, the point that you make around Susie is pretty much the struggle that that leaders are now grappling with. It's this, this idea that some of their key employees have moved to, you know, Barry or Guelph or someplace well outside of the city. We're asking them to commute into the office regularly is going to be something that they're going to find difficult and they may not stay. But if they do really value having them in for very specific activities, for very specific collaboration, then really everything is on the table in terms of how they achieve that. And we've seen this in terms of the question around what my organization does. We help companies move to shorter work weeks. We help companies reduce their working time. And the four-day work week is something which has now come on the table as an alternative to remote and hybrid working. And in that piece that Joe O'Connor wrote, I talked about an insurance company in the UK that we're working with, whereby... Their leadership really wanted to get people back into the office. They knew that if they forced people to come back without offering some other carrot, then it might well render them uncompetitive within their sector. So what they've done is they've offered people a four-day work week in exchange for returning to the office. 
And this is something that if you look at a survey from Hayes Recruitment recently with 12,000 employees in the UK, it found that two thirds of people would actually choose four days in the office, fully in the office, over five days hybrid. So these are the kinds of trade-offs and questions that I think leaders are going to be starting to grapple with as they figure out how to emerge from this post-COVID working, working period. Joe O'Connor is with me, co-founder of the Worktime Reduction Center of Excellence. When you said to me, Joe, it might be difficult to have, you know, sort of a different deal for different people. Well, yeah, that's how unions work. But uh, the way a company ought to work is we, we, we compensate the best people better. Sure. And I, I think that there is my view is that this is something that is going to cause a degree of two tier between types of companies, because the bigger the company you are, the more profitable you are, the more that something like a paid commute where you, you know, effectively finance people coming into the office, whether it's once a week or a couple of times a month, that's probably much more of a practical consideration for you than if you're a small startup with 15 or 20 people, whereby you're probably going to have to get creative about ways to either entice people back or you're going to have to find a way to achieve the same outcomes working fully remotely. Um, and I think you could see similar scenarios with more senior and junior employees in organizations where actually the idea of paying people at a middle management level, people who, um, you know, it's really important to the firm to have in the office, that that might be a more um, might be a more palatable solution than paying for the entire workforce to return. So this is something that I think um, there's lots of different ways that companies could approach it. But I think it, it underscores this this challenge that's now emerging between a gap between the preferences for, for employers in terms of back to the office and, and really what's now become quite deeply set preferences for employees who've experienced during COVID, you know, the fact that their commute is gone, they have more time for family, they're able to get their work done in a distraction-free environment, environment without having to worry about, you know, 90 minutes at either end of the day. Um, and it's going to take, I think, something to really entice people back in from that. Okay, so you, you mentioned several times here, Joe, the four-day work week. How does that work? You take the same number of hours and just spread it over four days? The, the four-day week model that we work with companies to adopt is actually a genuine reduction in overall work time. So what this is about is actually using the offer of a shorter working week as a catalyst and as a forcing function to really streamline your operations, to change your work practices, to improve processes, and using the incentive of the reduced work week as something that really motivates people to, to increase company level efficiency. So this is not something that's just about restructuring the same number of hours within the existing work week, but it's actually about using this to change the way you work as well as the number of hours that, that, that you're working. So you're counting on people to say, I'll do four days, but I'll suck it up and work harder than I did when I worked for five days. Well, it's not just about working harder. This, there's a reality within many modern organizations that this idea, what I would call Parkinson's law, the idea that a task expands to fill the time available for its completion, that this really holds true in a lot of modern organizations. So many people will be familiar with the idea that there's lots of overlong unnecessary meetings, digital distractions, maybe processes that are outdated or inefficient, and maybe using technology in, in, in not a particularly mindful way. So really what this is about is creating a framework and an, an incentive structure to really address these deficiencies that we have within organizations. So it's not just about, you know, speed up. It's not just about people working harder. It's actually about redesigning the way that people are working in order to, to get the same results or deliver, in some cases, even better outcomes um, with, with less time. And I think, you know, as we now look at 
the developments that we're seeing in artificial intelligence, the rise of chat GPT, auto GPT, you know, there's there's a huge range of different technologies and tools that are now at our disposal to get the work that maybe 20 years ago took us 40 hours to do. There's no reason why we can't get that work done in a more efficient way today. Uh, and that's something that I think for a lot of organizations they're looking at as a real tool to boost productivity and um, but also make themselves really an employer of choice when it comes to attracting and retaining the best talent. How hard is it to sell that to management? Because if I'm in management, I might be thinking, well, if, if I can use all of this technology and a uh, few hour, fewer hours from people, maybe I, maybe I don't need people or I don't need as many of them. Well, I think it all comes back to the power of the incentive. You know, a manager could walk into their office tomorrow and say to their staff, I want you to become 20% more efficient. I think most managers would agree that it's not that easy and that actually a big reason for the success of the four-day week lies in the behavioral change, lies in the fact that actually if, you know, you pose this challenge to your employees and say, if you can figure out ways to make our teams get their work done in a more efficient, productive way, we're going to share that benefit with you in the form of something that's extremely attractive to people, having that extra time back, you know, for family, for community, for new skills, hobbies and endeavors. That's something that that can create the kind of positive tension within organizations that can lead to really, really um, positive change for both the organization and for its people. Now, I don't know if this will be useful to your company, Joe, but a listener just sent in, and maybe you could add this into um, all of your tools. This person wrote in and said, I'm finding that all it really takes to get some people back to the office is cake. Just have cake in the in the coffee room. I mean, we've we've seen this for many years now. You know, uh, there, there was a, a culture within particularly the technology sector where, you know, pizza Fridays and beanbags in the office and lunchtime well-being and, and yoga sessions. That was really the, the tool that was used to encourage people to spend more time in the office. It was really at a core part of the value proposition that was offered to employees. I think post-COVID people are something for useful than that. And I think that while those things can play a part, I think that in today's recruitment market, in a world where, you know, if you're a company in Toronto, you're not just competing with your direct competition here in Toronto for talent, you're competing with Vancouver, with New York. I think that that, that really the kinds of solutions that are going to work in order to, to, to keep people in the office and keep people in your company are probably different today than what they were a few years ago. Joe O'Connor, co-founder of the Worktime Reduction Center of Excellence. Thanks very much. No problem. Pleasure. All right. Coming up in the next half hour, round one, of course, brought to you by Lexus Savon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. It's 730. With news headlines, here's Ashley Legasek. Jerry, some of the stories we're following in the newsroom this hour. The front runner, the, whoa, the front runner is.